Hello and welcome to another episode of I'm Catching Foxes. I am your host, Luke Carey, and I'm with me, as as always, is a guy who hasn't had a vegetable in three months. Hi, Gomer. Hey, Luke. How's it going? Great. And we have some other guys here, too, but they they don't. They really don't uh, matter. They are our rebounds. So, hello, rebounds. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just kidding. We have the clerically speaking guys here, and we're going to talk about the mess that is everything right now. So, <laughs> hooray. Woo! Hooray. Nothing, nothing says a fun night like let's just talk about how crappy everything is. Yeah, there you go. I feel like this is all this podcast has been since 2018. <laughs> yeah, I know. And we are reaping the money, Luke. Yeah, cha-ching, cha-ching. <laughs> Hey, guy that laundered money to Cardinal Pell's accusers, send it to us instead. We can do more. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, my student loans aren't paid off yet. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, neither um, are my wives. <laughs> neither are my wives. Do you think it's bad that I want to spend, like, $3,000 on my 40th birthday? Here, There's a reason why. But do you think that's bad, just from an objective standpoint? Well, it depends. Is this just for cocaine, like we talked about? <laughs> No, well, I mean that's a part of it. No, I want to have a party at a barn uh, where I can invite <laughs> everyone, like just everyone nice. I know. I want to say, be here on this time. No, birthday parties are good. It is good that you are alive. It's good that you exist. Go ahead, spend some money Thank on your you. birthday. What? How? Okay, wait, wait. How? Okay. So, Gormley, though, I got a question. What? What would fire say? <laughs> well, that, that's great, right? So, what the fire movement would say is, you have to be clear about your values and priorities. So if, if this is important for you, absolutely save the money. Just don't go into debt doing it, Luke. And realize that you could probably get out of debt $3,000 sooner if you didn't do it. But, hey, what's the point of getting out of debt and having uh, financial independence if you can't enjoy your money? Am I right? Woo! And, I mean, what's the point of um, Patreon.com if you can't blow the money you get on something completely stupid? <laughs> Luke, I think there is, though, an element where people would contribute to the barn, the barn raising fiasco. What if, what if we called it that? Luke's um, 40th um, birthday, a barn-raising fiasco. <laughs> Perfect. That's the flyer right there. Luke's 40th fiasco. It's just, it's just a barn on fire with Elmo in front of it. <laughs> yes, there you go. We're all going to be dead by, by then. Who, who am I kidding? So <laughs> yeah. uh, we were talking earlier about some fun stuff, and you, had a, you were on a really good point. Uh, I think this um, was like Father Anthony. Uh, what were you saying about like, um, saints and people? Yeah, I just think we have a really bad idea of what sainthood is and just uh, what people are. Uh, So, I mean, holiness, like in a broader sense, is God, right? God's holy. But for us, it's very hard to come to grips with the fact that holiness for you will be a constant process of striving and failure. Mm. And until you come to grips with that in the the spiritual life, you're going to be a mess. And so, like, we expect... Our holy people, our priests, bishops, whatever, you know, uh, to be perfect at everything like we read in saint stories. And it's it's just not going to happen. And like, as far as as far as like with people, I guess it's the same thing. I think just like holiness in this life, it looks messy. Can you that that was my whole point. Can, so like, can you be a saint and be a person that people don't like? Isn't that the definition of a uh, saint? <laughs> yeah, you can have uh, you can your personality can. Well, actually, I'm not so sure about this. Um, I think if you know someone who's holy and you yourself are open to holiness, you're not going to hate that person, right? 
So a lot of times we hate other people because of our own woundedness or what we yeah. perceive from them, not them themselves, right? F- Father Harrison um, uh, doesn't understand me going up through that at all. At all. In the slightest. <laughs> I was, I'm texting no, him the other day about the one person we, we, uh, we will never have on the podcast. Anyways, sorry. Mm-hmm. Go on on Father Anthony. Yeah, no, I think uh, this is what happens. Like, Or I, I will have friends who hate each other. And I know it's because they don't actually know each other. Like, I know these two people who are striving for holiness. If they actually were able to sit down in the room and get to know each other, I don't think they hate each other anymore. <laughs> so I think that's a dynamic that happens. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think you're, I, know. I, think thinking... you're, I think that's like a fake version of holiness, right? Like, I think that's more of the cartoonish version of holiness to think that just because you're saints, you're going to like each other if you really knew each other. Because I think of Padre Pio and how many people he ticked off all the time. He was a jerk, mm-hmm. and so was St. Jerome. How many church fathers couldn't stand each other? <laughs> you know, we were talking uh, beforehand about hierarchs who can't uh, lead themselves or anyone. They can't manage themselves out of a hole, let alone a crisis. Uh, or a crisis of holes. Uh, the summer of scandal. Scandal. And so they, they, there's so many people. I think it was not, it wasn't Gregory the Great. It was uh, Nazianzus who, like, everyone's like, dear God, stop being a bishop in charge of a diocese and go home. Right? <laughs> like, go do something else, please. Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking of, like, people who, uh, there's a lot of people who I've hated who I've become friends with because of our common goal. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and if that's a part of friendship. So I don't, I don't completely disagree with what you said. Um, but I think a lot of times we only encounter one aspect of somebody's personality. And then um, because of our own woundedness, that's how we judge the entire person. Like uh, Augustine and um, Jerome writing letters to each other. That's not the best or fullest kind of communication, right? Um, and also I can really <laughs> like someone and not want them to be in charge of anything, right? I can hate their managerial styles. I mean, I hate them. True that. Father Harrison, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I guess, yeah, I'm thinking about like some of those stories, like about um, a boot, a lot of a boot, a boot, no dude a boot today, no dude a boot today. But here's the other thing: sometimes saints are jerks, not because they intend to be jerks, but they're actually they use the jerkiness as a way to hide the holiness mm-hmm. because they don't want people to come after them. Um, like I, I, I've, like I think of someone like. Um, even like, or, or not even jerkiness, but just like sometimes they can seem cold or harsh or whatever, <clears throat> but it, it, there's actually, there's actually like a lot of holiness at work behind them. Um, like I even think of like someone like mother Teresa who had a beautiful smile and it was very gentle with the poor and everything like that. But she also, uh, she had some sternness to her that I think turned people off, but we all know she was hiding a deep, deep holiness that she didn't want anyone to have access to. Because it was just, she probably didn't even understand it. Um, so I find that's at the, at the case sometimes. It's like it's like a veneer to kind of hide, or a screen to hide, um, to hide the actual holiness that's going on. So that people don't, because we all know what happens, right? Saints, you know, when, when saints start doing miraculous things, people start going after them, or they start doing really holy things. People start almost worshiping them. And, I mean, that's dangerous and no saint ever wants that so they're going to do whatever they can to point to jesus and if it means making themselves seem less in the eyes of others they will do it you heard it here first folks father harrison called mother Teresa fake (laughs) wow wow no no 
do wait actually you know what's going on here is you're being a jerk which means you're probably actually quite holy and a saint i am so holy yeah luke can tell you no follow me patreon.com slash come and read all of my works at patreon.com slash cf so we wanted to have you guys on because there's a crisis in the church right now and which one uh, yeah yeah, exactly um (laughs) um, Mm. you know and there's the stuff that the pope i'm talked about which by the time this comes out what i will imagine have already been analyzed to death so we are going to kind of stay away from that but if you do want to talk about it like as it relates to this it's fine um you know so a couple of weeks ago i i was listening to matt frad's podcast uh you perhaps you guys have heard of it um who and um and he uh it's so funny i'm bothering that he just oh this is a podcast not a youtube show but that was hilarious um and he was. I'm talking with um, Father Gregory Pine about uh, like why does a church take its time, and why you have people like you know um, that. Uh, gosh, I can't remember the uh, the exact way that they put it. But I think I want to say they called him um like a demigod or something. But who, who, who kind of like while while the church isn't taking what while the church takes their time to really understand what is what is actually going on you'll have these um people try to like um fill in the void that is created by mm-hmm. by that and it mm-hmm. i think you can see um that in someone like father james martin and the same thing happened in a person like taylor marshall trying to speak to what w- you know um not wanting to have like what i would call a holy patience to really understand what is like um, what is happening but to really um, see the anger and the hurt that is that is um, happening in the church right now, and speak to that in a way that gets people like riled up and to feel like they're a part of something, which actually just makes stuff worse. And then Catholic stuff had a great podcast on this a couple of weeks ago, saying basically it's two mm-hmm. sides of the same coin, and where the church is really called to be is it is really in the middle of that, and that's what I wanted to talk about is like how. Mm-hmm. Because that involves a lot of suffering, right? And I so wait be, be, before we do. Yep. So what you're saying is you're listening to Catholic stuff, but you want us on instead. <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, no, I just want to make sure I'm hearing confirm. things right. I just want to make sure I'm hearing things right. <laughs> uh, I mean, listen, uh, they, they are. Uh, I uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. kidding. Uh, no. <laughs> um, no, but I, I think just this idea yeah. of like, I, 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 and this is why I wanted to have a um, priest on to to talk about this because that place that is, you know, in the middle is really, really hard. And mm-hmm. I think it's time that we start um, talking about that openly and about um, hmm. the pain that's that that is. And like um, everything else that really um, goes along with that, you know, I think Harrison and I uh, tripped up a little bit on this um, when the pandemic started. Uh, one of the first things we were talking about is how is God's providence in this? Like, what can we learn from this? What are, what is being revealed here? Like, I think that we skipped over the fact that this is painful and confusing for people, right? And we got a little bit a little bit of backlash for that. But the, the process, I think, that we went through is like, oh, okay, how do we deal with people's souls? Uh, so we, you can't change a pandemic, right? You can't change a church scandal. You can't fix the institutional church. And so our 
initial instinct as pastors is like, okay, let's try to figure out how God's providence is working in this. But we skipped over the part where the fact, I think a little bit, where like, oh, people are just angry and people mm-hmm. just hurt. Mm-hmm. And we didn't enter into that, I don't think, as mm-hmm. much as we should have. And then you've got other people who, um, not quite entering into the hurt, but like, uh, it feels like it. So you've got like someone like Taylor Marshall giving voice to people's real, genuine, and understandable mm-hmm. anger. Mm-hmm. But instead of entering into it in a healing aspect, he's just kind of stoking it up, right? Uh, so people connect with those kind of people because you need to enter into that emotion. And then there's a trust that's built, and then they take them on a wild ride uh, through bad ecclesiology and everything else. Uh, <laughs> and so that's something that's, that's difficult. Or even like with the, um, the scandal when, first, when the PA grand jury report thing yeah. happened. Like, it's a struggle for me to figure out how do I be a good leader in this? Because, like, I'm crushed by all this stuff. I'm ticked off by all this stuff. But if I go to the pulpit, like, waving my arms or sobbing or indulging in my own emotions, which are also real, like, I don't know. It's hard to figure out how to balance it, how to connect with people in the moment and then try to pastor them to a better place, if that makes sense. It's weird. Like, you know, actually, so I've listened to an episode from Catholic stuff as well. And I know I remember the line that they said. And I was like, yeah, that's that's the line which is when did we become the liberals? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's like you have, I mean, now I will say I am very blessed to be in Canada because things Where aren't, everyone's po- a liberal, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but things aren't as politicized up here. Mm. Right. They're not, mm-hmm. but I, I'm involved with enough stuff online and I know enough in American people where you, you feel the heat still. And I was like, yeah, like since when did like we, like, the stuff we've been promoting and, and teaching for, for years, suddenly now it's all under suspect, right? And it is a hard line to hold. And it's, it's, I think part of it is we have, well, part of it is we, I mean, I think part of it is culturally we're still acting out of an ecclesiology, a theology and a formation that's preconciliar, which there's a reason the reforms came along. We just haven't enacted them can, properly from the council. Can you just un- unpack a bit, like what you mean by that for people who are listening who don't know what, like, I'm a preconciliar, preconciliar means now that I'm now that I'm thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, so preconciliar is b- before the council, right? And I and I mean I hate before, I trust me. There's oh, a part of me that this hates, is before of Vatican before II. Th- Vatican II, yes. Actually, before Trent, we're, we're acting out of a pre-Trent. Uh, <laughs> well, no. All Lateran all the time. <laughs> My mom That's and sisters right. are Lateran so confused four, right, right, right now. <laughs> They're like Trent. What the no. hell? <laughs> No, Vatican II. So, and I mean, like, I kind of hate pitting them against each other because also the reforms of the council are not meant to be a revolution. They're meant to be a continuation of what's good to bring about uh, a change of, of, of heart to what needed to be kind of rediscovered. And Whatever, so, modernist. Right. <laughs> so the thing that I think the Second Vatican Council was absolutely fantastic for that I think has been missed a lot is the idea of like a sacramental vision of humanity, of the church, et cetera. That wasn't really, I mean, that was kind of formed, but it was just, yeah, you show up to church, your church is your community life, you, you do your, your sacraments of initiation, but it was, and there was a kind of shared life, but it wasn't like an integrated into as a whole body, which is the church. It was kind of like more programmatic than communal or communion, if that makes sense. And so that is, so what's happened though is like, we, essentially, we still haven't come to terms with the council, and I think that's part of the battle. The problem is the council did get usurped. It got politicized. It got um, – and, and abuses did happen. 
There's just we can't deny this. I think this just proves that uh, your parish uh, priest is more important than the pope. Uh, so the reason why people are gravitating towards people on the internet is because they're not getting catechesis yeah. or uh, shepherding from their parishes. They're just not. And so they're looking for people to connect to and they find it on the internet. So it, it'd be like, there's always been, most bishops have throughout the history have been bad. Eh, most clerics throughout history have been bad. Right. But if your priest, if your pastor uh, is caring for your soul in a way that you can recognize, he's going to be the authority you go to. Right. But we have generations of uh, priests and, and uh, parishes where we've just dropped the ball on that. And people feel betrayed by that. So when they finally find some stuff about the depths or the mystery of the church, but it's some crazy person saying it, they don't have the ability to parse out the crazy from what's, from what's true. Um, the thing, and just with the election of everything going on, I think we are realizing how much of the cultural air we've been breathing all along. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're like, okay, so uh, bishops are bad. Uh, so the response is we should stop giving the church money. Now, on a practical level, that may, may, that may make sense. Uh, and on a very like American consumerist level, that makes a lot of sense. You vote with your pocketbook. But, that's n- but you still have a spiritual obligation to give to the church. I'm not saying that's not really complicated in this situation. It really, really is. But there is this, we treat the church as simply a human institution that we can fix and change. And that's not how this works. I think that's yeah. the biggest error in the ecclesiology. We, we really don't believe, like when we hear like, you need to pray, you need to fast. Well, we actually need to do something. We need to stand up. We need to call things out. A certain level that's true, but I think we've really abandoned uh, the, that prayer and fasting and spirituality, these are the things that God uses to change the church, um, primarily. Um, but that can be really frustrating because you want to fix something and you want to punch McCarrick in the face. And I totally get that. Um, it's very tough. But the right response is to pray for him. Really. You know, I mean, and it's, it's, it is, I mean, and it is to be angry, but I, you know, I think we've told this, I've told this on the podcast probably like four or five times now, but the story of Alma, we have a friend who was so like angry about all this, found his ordination card and this strange um, library on a retreat, and it just said mm-hmm. on his ordination card, uh, this is this is actually on the character's card. It said, um, it um, it said, my speech impediment's horrible tonight, so buckle up, everyone, pray up before <laughs> me. And I just I go back to that, like, holy crap, like that's how how much of a Holy Spirit, um, how much of a Holy Spirit like moment um, was that? Like the voice of the prophet telling us that like we need to pray for this man. And uh, there's just a one thing that I, that I just want to like add to this, and I'll, then I'll turn this over to Gomer because he's been so silent for two minutes. I know. Um, I know what's going on here. So I've been listening to a podcast called Un Unobscured, and it's uh, I heard about it from Rebecca Roscoe, who we had on the, who we who we had on a couple of months ago, and it, it's going through the Salem on the witch trials, and one reason and like one reason that they think helped. Like, why did people turn on each other that quick? Because they actually had a pretty, they had a good court system. Like, they had, it was based on English, um, common law, and all this. I mean, there's really, all that I'm trying to say is, is these these were people who were not as, who were not as uh, stupid as um, you would think. Let me just, um, let me just put it um, that way. And one, and like one 
of the theories behind it is that the Puritan experiment was actually coming to an end and they started to see it happen. And there were these tons of wars happening that were destroying everyone's life. And they were like, God, I mean, they thought they were building the um, city on a hill. Like they thought that they were um, literally doing that. And this was like a God ordained um, thing. And it just is falling apart around them. And instead of turning to God, they turned on each other. And when I heard that, I just thought so much of like where the church is um right now. Like we got a, we got a, a thing from some dude who used to um support uh, who used to um support the podcast calling us cucks. You know, like I mean, I know like, I, I heard that on your podcast. That's when I started supporting you guys because it picked me <laughs> off so much. I was like, "Screw that guy! Just, You've done nothing." Like, how do you, I replace your ten dollars a month how, like, how with do you my go? five? It's Canadian. <laughs> it's Canadian. <laughs> well, I, I take I take some for uh, for my parish, obviously. Enough, you know, but like, how do you turn on? And listen, I'm not saying that we're good or that we're special or that we're holy. But like, how do you turn on someone like that? Like to where you're just you know you go from being like I want to get behind I want to give you all the money every month because I really I'm like what you're doing to like calling them a <sighs> vulgar name yeah like and, and I mean really it's I was I mean it's of, really insulting and it's it's satanic not saying this guy is yeah no yeah, this but, is but a, it, yeah yeah absolutely not saying this guy is possessed yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but we have all of these little bonfires burning in our culture in our church and the enemy is just dumping gasoline on this stuff. And he, and he has so many more options than he did before through social media, uh, through all these pundits, through Catholic grifters. It's a very – it's overall, it's a demonic scheme, and it's working very well. This is your time, Gilmer. Oh, well, yeah. Father yeah. Harrison, do you Go see ahead, that Gilmer. pensive look in his face? He was about to drop some <laughs> I'm thinking. That's, I'm thinking. That's his default look. Don't <laughs> worry about that. This is my default look, but I, I, I have some stuff working around my brain, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, like – <laughs> there is so much frustration on the human level with the clergy. And mm-hmm. someone said this statement that I thought was so powerful and so true, which is, do you think us lay people would do it any better? I mean, like, do really? Well, just look at permanent deacons. That's the proof, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, well, let me say this. It is so easy to do a hot take. And, uh, my wife was saying to me the other day, did you hear about so-and-so? And she's on social media, not as much as she used to be, but she's like the one that's on Twitter that tells me about all this stuff. She sees what I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's only got she, mad once. Yeah, <laughs> but that's true. It's just once. But she says, like, she'll tell me these things, and she'll say, like, I just want to tell them. And I'm like, see, that that's the trap, is everyone thinks their hot take is right, superior, just, true, you know, all this stuff. And I am convinced that my hot takes have ruined people's lives, right? Hmm. I am convinced, and I have to repent of my hot takes. And I've, I've, I've probably damaged the church because I have to say things. And, and that, that Im- includes Catching Foxes. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, Catching Foxes is a stream of consciousness hot take. It is Twitter, but, <laughs> but with me talking for five minutes and Luke rolling his eyes. Uh, the the idea of it, um, of like wanting to talk about this stuff in a meaningful way, I don't think we are capable as a culture right now of having that conversation. I'm so sick and tired of everyone waiting to pounce on Bishop Barron. I'm so sick and tired of everyone even mm-hmm. waiting to pounce on Father James Martin. Like, they just, there is a hunger, there is a hunger to pull down our celebrities, Right, which is very American. And we've made which them very American. We, 
Yeah, we well, we need us. We need a new sacrifice, right? And this this is exactly this is the mimetic uh, response that uh, you know fancy Frenchman Rene Girard was talking about. Like we prop up people so much, we place our faith in them, we deify them, we invest in them our hopes and dreams for the church. And then we brutally murder their reputation if they step out of line or if they break my expectations. One of the things that studying theology opened my mind to was how wrong the church fathers were on some stuff. I remember reading a the first time I ever read anything by Hans Urs von Balthasar. He was critiquing, right, right. He was well, he was critiquing Saint Basil. The first time I ever read a church father, he and I realized like just because you're a church father doesn't mean you're perpetually infallible all the time. That's why like right. a third of the church fathers do not have an ST period in front of their names, right? Looking at you, Tertullian. Yeah, looking at you. So funny note about Tertullian. Uh, his North African Episcopal See has been unoccupied since the Islamic invasion of North Africa. However, my archbishop, my auxiliary archbishop, is the titular archbishop of that <laughs> see. And I was like, the... he is the successor of Tertullian. Yeah. That's awesome. I love. Oh, that's yeah. fun. That's a funny. I'm um, tradition. I'm not, not a funny. It's a great. I'm um, a tradition of the church that I love. And I laugh at the words uh, titular. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is. The titular ejaculatory <laughs> prayers for the t- titular. <laughs> Easy, oh, Christopher West. Easy. <laughs> the prayers are even called ejaculatory. <laughs> Don't even get me started on the Easter candle and the baptismal water. Plunge, plunge, plunge. <laughs> and sometimes he's in birds while it happens. <laughs> Feel free to distance yourself from this right now or say you want that part cut. No, you're fine. You're fine. Now experiencing technical difficulties. <laughs> the, the nice old ladies who listen to our podcast aren't, aren't listening to this. Yeah, exactly. And I think you hit a really important point. I'm Father Anthony. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull us out of this really quick. Thank you, Luke. No problem. Uh, okay. And um, uh, like, we need to acknowledge people's pain of like how hard it is. Like, mm-hmm. there are there are things that happen today. I'm with the Pope that I was like, at some point in time, we're going to talk about this on the podcast, and both my sisters are going to hear this, and they're going to be mad. And it breaks my heart that that's that that's um, that that is going to happen. There are people that I know who, when they hear how I th- like, I'm I'm scared about this. Like it's it's hard because I have to have hard conversations with people that I really um love, and I don't want to like lose my family over this. I I don't want to have um, I don't want to you know be I'm so sick of being of being a stranger in my own country at times. Yeah, you know I'm so sick of having to watch mm-hmm. every freaking um, every freaking um, movie and go well this is great but this one part here and having to filter like they're just trying to make up. F- for the fact that they don't think that um God is real, and you know, like, I see it. I saw in the um, in the I saw it in the Ted Lasso show that actually like just ended, and I and like I, I love that show, but it's like, but it is a godless show. Now there are some human um truths that they are um mm-hmm. at, and it's great, and there are some really um, profound, awesome things about it. But it's clearly done. It's it's, it's like we're, we have them um, to live in. A world that doesn't acknowledge the existence of God, and it gets exhausting, and it's hard, mm-hmm. and it's scary, and it hurts. Yeah. And I just, I wish sometimes we would just admit that, and, and that our church leaders would understand that, and would just acknowledge it. Sometimes I think even priests are afraid. No, I'm not even going to say afraid, but are hesitant to share an outrage for because. 
not that we don't share the outrage, but again, because the and machine yeah. gets rolling so fast, unless you're at a certain level of outrage, then you're not sufficiently outraged. And so actually, mm-hmm. you don't really care. And it's like, well, no, actually my office and the, the ministry I hold can really sometimes only, like, yeah. it depends, but I mean, like, there's only so much I can do sometimes. I'm not, I'm not, I can't be out there calling for the heads of different bishops and stuff like that because, uh, like, it's just, I can't. <laughs> it's not my, I'm not holy enough to be able to hold bishops to account, right? Like, I, you have to be a great saint to do that. I think. I think. I'm oh, sorry. Let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that a bit, though. Sorry. Thank you. Because yes, thank you for the look, Anthony. <laughs> yeah. Um, by, the, by the way, I mean like this is my bishops, job. Yeah. So look at Father Harrison like, says something and then he'll clarify. To account. I mean, like, it's not my job to go out publicly saying this bishop needs to do this and that bishop needs to do that, because that's actually not my job. In fact, actually, even though I'm only obedient to my bishop, I'm really there's an obedience to the whole college that requires a certain um, being in the background yeah. of it as a priest. Yeah. And right, and I think like, that's part of that's going on. But we always we want to end with charity. In order to do that, you have to right. you have to have you have to have um have a justice. Well, so so the so you have to have the charity that is actually um, rooted in the truth, which means you have to have you have to have justice. Right. Yeah. In order to in order to have a justice, you have yes. to acknowledge the wrong. You have to say like this was wrong and you hurt me. Yes. How do you do that? It, like when, like, and, and, and with a, like, w- when the world is like this and we want to, how do I speak to my friends who are like, send me, like, I've seen some people who are on the side of, I'm not, I hate to put on the side, but like who have, I would say, been radicalized by someone like Taylor Marshall who have said horrible things to us and other people. How do I do that? I, I, like, I, I, it's, I don't, I don't know how to, like, I don't know how do I, like, no, no, I think this is at least in the same uh, ballpark. And so I am sorry. On the behalf of the priesthood, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that priests so often are mediocre. I'm sorry uh, that so many times we are uneducated. I'm sorry that sometimes we are is flat out evil. The people of God deserve better. They deserve good priests because God the Father loves them. And their priests should love them in the same way. And so often we don't, and I'm sorry. The answer to, you know, this desire for someone to admit the truth and say that they're wrong, you're not going to get that in this life. Christ didn't get that in his. To be a Christian is to be crucified over and over again with Christ in this life. And there's going to be a lot of pain and suffering in that. But in that, you are not alone. This is Christ looking at you as you are bleeding all over the place, as you are showing God your wounds and yelling at him. And I encourage you to do that. That's good biblical prayer. Christ looks back at you and says, I know me too. And that's not an answer that fixes something institutionally, but is the only real answer. And it's the answer that actually in a way does fix because it's the secret working of grace, right? When you allow, you know, uh, when you allow your suffering, I mean, what does St. Paul say? I'm making up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ's body. Yeah, but he was joking. I'm making up for Christ's lack of suffering. <laughs> <laughs> it was a joke. He's a very funny guy, St. Paul. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it, it's, he, this is, I think, 
I, I was actually reflecting on this a couple weeks ago in our podcast that like we we need to we need to rediscover. I, I think perhaps like, and I think it's true. The church. I hate to use the phrase because it sounds so corny. The church goes through seasons, and <laughs> we're in a season of suffering. Uh, but you know, like this is a time to relearn suffering because it is the only way we're going to be holy. There's Jesus promised nothing. Like I love, actually, I've always loved that phrase from Mary to St. Bernadette. When Bernadette, by the way, folks, for those who don't know, struggled with her idea of becoming a religious sister after she seen the Virgin Mary. She, like, she actually struggled with the idea of becoming a nun. <laughs> and Our Lady appeared to her and again, she goes, listen, I can't promise you happiness in this life, but I can promise it to you in the next. And this we we i think we for some reason have been sold a bit of a bill of goods that we can't actually have happiness in this life and i'm not saying listen i'm not also saying it's suffering all the time but suffering comes when it comes and now it and and so we can we can suffer and and again it's not saying like we shouldn't be angry we absolutely should be angry about some of this stuff but also like and this is where i think some of the online discussion doesn't help we get we get uh, enraged about everything that's outside of our own local church. What we I, like, listen. When like my heart broke when the PA grand jury came out, it broke because especially because I know people there. I have friends there, and it broke for what the priest friends are gonna gonna have to go through. It broke for all my friends. Like I just, I it's it, my heart broke. But what good is me yelling online gonna do about it? Because in a sense of like, I can't, I'm not even close to Pittsburgh. I can't do anything about it. I can only fix and do things what I can do locally, generally. I'm not in a position to make higher structural change. And I know that. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but... You know, I've I really struggled with this. Like, just uh, I mean, from anything from a, a a parish level, things that I see that I don't have the power to change to diocesan level to church wide level. And the best way I can explain what's going on with me and what I feel like God is telling me is like, I am in the middle of a forest fire. Everything is burning. There's a little flower in front of me, and God's like, "You take care of that flower." I'm like, "Okay, cool." But God, you know, the forest is burning. Do you want me to help with that? He's like, no, no, no. I want you to take care of this little flower in the, in the forest. Are you sure? Because everything is <laughs> on is fire right now. Mamby. I would like to help. <laughs> I would, I would like to help. <laughs> and and like what I keep getting is like, no, that's not your job. Yeah, it's just not. And that's my constant struggle with God in prayer is that I it's. I get a little bit more of a reach because we do fun podcast things and all that stuff. And as much as that is helpful, I'm happy to, to do it. But it's it comes down to like, okay, what is God's will for me right here, right now? And very often, it's not going to be to fix everything. And that's just really hard. And I totally get that it's really, really, all right, really let hard. Let me let me let me uh, let me yell at you too. Is that okay? Can I yell at you too? Great. You be hot. You, you apologize you. on behalf of all clergy, so I get to yell at you on behalf of all laity. Uh, yeah, this is good, okay. Actually. This so is uh, okay, I, I get, I, and I'm 100 percent on board with everything you said at that point, right? Because my personal holiness is the only thing that's going to get me into heaven. Comparing myself to other people, yeah. whether they're uh, disgraced prelates, whether they're uh, you know the local pastor, the local bishop, the local whatever. I don't get holy by comparing myself to them. I get holy by whatever refiner's fire 
comes my way, I can, the Lord can use all things in, uh, for the good for those who love him. Okay, I get that. I want to embrace that. I want to love that. But the Lord Jesus Christ has raised up saints to do the thing where they combat injustice and where they, com- where they bring about peace, where they bring about grace. And almost always, it is the terrified men in high places who are so yearning, uh, yearning to hold on to their prestige that they can't pull their head out of their asses long enough to see the workings of God's grace and God's mission. And at some point in time, that guy was probably an idealistic 17-year-old who thought of the priesthood as something beautiful and wonderful. And when he became ordained or when he went to seminary or when he hung out with older priests, he saw that it was a game. It was a game of, it was a popularity contest. It was a, how dare you try to pretend to be holy with your cassock and your, you know, ad orientum and your blah, 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 or all the stuff that you hear. And what ends up happening is I get so discouraged from living the Christian life, not because, uh, I mean, I can clearly make a distinguishing mark in how my, my failed more than, than not, but my response engages with what's around me, right? So the guy that said the cuck comment, uh, it, it's, it's so egregious, it's hilarious, and that's why we keep bringing it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but on top of that, there's this element of justice that the bishops are doing in the name of the church and priests have been doing for the since Vatican II in the name of the church, in the name of, of the mother that mm-hmm. I love, right? And here I am as a lay person who mm-hmm. is a full-time employee of the church. I have spent $30,000 a year for four years to get a degree so that I can earn $30,000 a year <laughs> in my employment. Thank God more than that now. But I have given my entire life in singular devotion to the growth of the church and people in the church and a maturity in Christ. And I have consistently seen that not a single person more stands in the way of honest holiness among the people than the clergy. Right. Not, I mean, you, you have cr- plenty of crappy DREs right. who will sit on their hands and just pump out crappy coloring book Christianity. But you, behind every failed DRE, <laughs> is a priest who doesn't want to freaking bother, right? Why do you have crappy youth ministry? Right. Well, guess what? You might have hired a crappy youth minister, dot, dot, dot. You hired them. And at least in the secular world, I can walk up to a boss and we can use the metric of money to freaking shame them to do their job or to move them on. I can't do that with a priest. And here's my last comment. Being a priest is like being the son of a, of a business that's family-owned. He didn't earn his role. He didn't earn his position. He didn't earn anything. He's the son of the guy that built the company, owns the company, and is going to make him CEO just because he's the son. So I have to show this guy respect, even though he's a goofball, he's a coke addict, and and no one cares what he says, right? Like, he's all of those things. That's actually from the movie Horrible Bosses. Uh, he's all of those things, <laughs> right? Uh, Colin Farrell's character. He's all of those things, and yet everyone has to deal with him, put up with him, even praise him and laugh heartily at his terrible jokes. And that's what I have to do for you. I have to put on a modicum of respect, even though I know more than you, I've sacrificed more than you, I've done everything more than you, at least what I can see. And then I get these backhanded comments like, well, you're just a lay person. You know, and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, you know, I'm really busy. Yeah. When I leave this place, I go home to four kids and a wife. I go home to sick kids who wake me up in the middle of the night or perfectly healthy kids who for some reason still wake me up in the middle of the night. And you <laughs> or, sit there and come a Luke who drug dials <laughs> me at two in the morning. Yeah. And you complain about the once a month, 2 a.m. phone call to go to the hospital. Well, yeah. I, multiply that by 10. And that is my week. And here you are rolling your eyes because I asked, could you please give a talk? 
Could you please hear confession? You know, or I'm doing a parish mission at someone's church, right? And they say these things, and I'm sitting here, I'm like, I have, I have had, like Luke was saying, he will have the ire of his family members at him, and he's willing to sacrifice that, right? Perfect joviality, going along to get along. He's willing to lay that down for the sake of Jesus Christ and his church. And how many priests won't even come to a tenth of what Luke has done in their homilies, in their teachings in RCIA, in their runnings of classes. And then here we are as lay people doing all this stuff. Taylor Marshall represents the unpaid bills of the church. She has done nothing in the past 70 years. And so now we laity have elected celebrities, Scott Hahn, Tim Staples, Patrick Madrid, all of these men to be like, holy crap, there are actually biblical answers for our Catholic faith. The and guy's then it got became, the weird hat in his Twitter profile. <laughs> yeah, looking at you, Jerusalem Jones. That's his nickname. Uh, the, the whole idea around these things is like the laity have elected laity, and sometimes we made missteps, looking at you, Father Karapi, but we have elevated people <laughs> all over the place. Matthew Kelly, whoopsie. We have elevated people because our, like, the only, what bishop do you know is incredible at preaching and teaching the faith? I can think of one. The guy from Connecticut? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I like the, I like, uh, what's his name in Tyler, Texas. He's 20 minutes north of me or whatever. Grew up, um, a, I believe he grew up at one of our missions. So, well, well, like Bishop Aaron, right, is who I was talking about. But like, the, he can teach the faith like nobody's business. And it's excellent and it's wonderful. And he can, mind, without huge effort, weave together a four part series on the theology of God, right? Awesome. I've watched that. It's incredible. I love it. And then I look around looking for signs of life, signs of joy, and I only find it among the laity. I am excited to be a Catholic. And I look mm. among the clergy, and it's like, well, mm. here's another J-O-B. And I blame the bishops for turning priests into that, but what say you, gentlemen? What say you? The gentleman from Texas yields his time. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. No, I need more, damn it. I need a <laughs> rational explanation. No more Hydra's heads where two more pop out. Well, I mean, but here's, here's the thing that's tough. Like, honestly, here's one, of, here's one of the hardest parts that I've just had to accept is we were born into this. The priests that baptized me died of AIDS and had, like, a bunch of lovers who were men. You know, like, like, that's, like that's, that's what I was oh born gosh, into. Oh, my you gosh. You know, so, like, and... and Here's what I mean by that. And I'm not trying to excuse any of this because I mean, there have been times where I have sworn I never yeah. want to work for a priest again, ever. Um, I'm on the fence about that. But, you know, <laughs> love you, Glad Mary. But, like, I'm just like, uh, um, I, and I do, I'm not trying to bash my, I'm, I'm, not, I am, I'm not trying to bash them. But just after having worked for the church for a period of time, I mean, going back to when I first came out, when I first came out of like college, I, um, had, I had a kid, so I taught, this, I, taught at this, I taught at this one parish, parish school out in the Virgin Islands, and I had a, and I had a kid in class who was just horrible, and I gave him eight attention, and the priest pulled it because his, mom, his, um, because, because his grandmother worked for him, and I was told that that was probably going, going to happen, but like, you know, at least try to hold the kid to the same um standard that you do everyone else, and it was like the first time, I was like, wait, what? And then I remember getting screamed at by a priest out in Idaho uh, because the because the newspaper called us a um, Catholic school when we were school that was run by um, was run by um, lay Catholics, and I, I just just screamed at me. First time I'd ever met him. I'd been there for about a month, and um, what a, 
My point, though, is I think we're in a period of the church, and, and this doesn't excuse anything. The only way that I can try to um, justify this, not, sorry, that's like how I have tried to understand this is we are in a period of good change in the church, and that is insanely hard. Change is really, really hard, even if it's good or if it's bad. And there's all this, I mean, there, okay, so. I personally think that the whole spotlight thing was a grace of God to bring that out. I I, I know there are issues with the groups with the group um, with the group like Snap, I, and I, I fully I fully acknowledge all that. However, this stuff did happen, and it was brought it was brought to it was brought uh, it was brought to light. And I think when you look at Vatican, I don't think Vatican II caused that, but I think the same thing that caused Vatican II to happen is the thing that caused that to happen, which is like the collapse of the West. And so we're going through, sorry, go go, go ahead. I agree with everything you're saying, but I want to take a step back from theory again, because I think everything that Gomer said was more than theory. Um, And I, I think I'm ready to respond a little bit more to everything you said. I will uh, stop. I will. I will concede the floor to the gentleman from Pittsburgh. No, I think this is really important because I think you have given voice and to something very real. And I, uh, I have so many friends who, uh, with with all good intentions, and not with just good intentions and holiness, but with genuine skill, uh, genuine knowledge about how to do ministry, about how to help people who have been crushed by their priests. Not in dramatic ways, but just, you know, uh, the offhanded sexism or just laziness. It's a story I've heard uh, so often. Uh, uh, we did a, a show on um, talking about that. Mm-hmm. And the emails we got were yeah. people saying, like, this is me and all of my friends, right? All I can say is uh, when I entered seminary as an 18-year-old kid, it was because the only piece I had in life uh, was my youth group. And it felt like God was asking me to do something, and I wanted to say yes, even though I didn't know what that was. Uh, but as I spent eight years, that motivation changed. And just seeing uh, how hard God's people work and how much they suffer, and they just deserve good priests. And if God can do anything, maybe he can do that with me uh, for them. Uh and my own sinfulness in the ways I've failed, in the ways that I have been lazy, in the ways that I've uh, uh, been cranky in the morning and maybe turned somebody off uh, in what I've said, that stuff keeps me up at night. Uh, I look at families and friends, and I, I have said this for a while now, I see marriage life as way, in so many ways, more difficult than mine. And I am given so much. I have an adoration chapel um, 30, 20 feet from where I'm podcasting right now. And how many mornings have I neglected the God that's right there? And that doesn't just affect me. That affects all my people. Uh, And when I say you're right about what you said, I'm not trying to be flippant at all. Uh, You are. And everything you've experienced and felt is real, um, factually real. And it's not fair to you. And it's not fair to the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who have similar stories to you. Um, And I'm sorry. I really am. And that's not me trying to make it about me at all. It, 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 and I don't have an answer to it, but I really want to genuinely, like, from the bottom of my heart, you didn't deserve that. Nobody deserves that. God's people deserve better because he loves them so much. And I can only say, and I can think I can speak for Harrison on this as well, like, our deepest desire 
is to be good priests. Mm-hmm. Define good priests for you. Well, actually, um, yeah. can I can I flip it? Because I, I, I just because I was actually kind of curious. Like, what, what you know, I think it's good for us to hear this sometimes, and it's good for for the listeners to hear. What, what, like, from a layperson's perspective, because I like, guess the other thing, sometimes we don't get a chance to hear this for whatever reason. Um, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. Is actually, it okay to flip the question? I would like to. to so I, I had a um, friend who was a priest die um, over the weekend. Uh, you guys heard about this? But his name is Father um, Matt Gamber, and. Um, uh, he was a Jesuit, and so um, he was the guy that, like, anytime on the podcast that we have, that we have um, talked about the Jesuits, I always say, if you've got a good one, you have a rock star, and he was one of those rock stars. And to me, a good priest, you know, I'm not expecting perfection, but just, like, you really got to care and, like, be active and, like, w- w- like, you need to love the Lord, and that's all. Like, like that is a given. But like, really, I'm a love, like, love the Lord and try, try to I'm seek His face, and that involves, to me, probably um, one of the best things that a priest can do is you have to be active. You have to be active. He would hear on confession at any event. He had his. I am shocked at how many people actually knew him because he was involved in everything. And I know some people don't have. Now he was a religious order priest. He had the time to do those things. I get that, you know. But like he, he everything that he could do, he did every day. He laid down his life at for the service of God's of um God's people. He's the only priest in my life that has actually asked me if he could be my spiritual um director. I have never had that happen to and I, I'm I'm not expecting priest because I know like he had us he had a zeal for souls and he actually did stuff about that. And that for me is one important like Part of, and he was not a perfect man, you know. And I, you know, he like I saw his faults up close because I was I, I I worked with him in like in like ministry a ton. But like I never, um, but like it was fine because he loved the Lord and he loved God's people, and I knew he wanted um, to serve them, and he did. So that's and, and that's just on one part. Not I, I think there are there are there. Are, or like a whole bunch of stuff, but I want to turn. I want to turn. I want to turn the um, floor over to the gentleman from Houston, Texas. Hey, do 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 do. Screw tape. <laughs> okay, dome. so to me, what what is a good priest? Number one, a priest uh, is is one. This is going to sound stupid, but is one whose love for prayer and liturgy gushes. Okay. When every human being thinks of a priest, they think of the mass and, oh, there's that holy guy, there's that prayer guy, right? I don't know a ton of priests that are men of prayer. That, that when you look at them, you're, you think, this guy prays the liturgy of the hours. This guy loves it. This guy talks about it. This sermon is a fruit of his meditation. You know, no, it's a string of cliches and homily number 8A that he gave, you know, every three years. What cycle is it? Is it Matthew, Mark, or Luke? Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Watch out, baby birds. <laughs> Sorry, I've been drinking uh, some love street and I just burped pretty <laughs> mega there. Um, I thought that was a part of your the whole streak you were doing. It worked. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Um, no, and so, like, I need a prayer, a, a, a priest who loves, who delights in the sacraments. 
there are so many priests. I'll never mm-hmm. forget. I, it was like 2000 and, oh, I don't even know, 2002, 2001. And I was asked to give a talk on this retreat, and this priest was there, and he said, well, why don't you want me to give this talk? You always ask me to just hear confessions and do mass. And the youth minister was like, I don't know, because I can get any layperson to give a talk. Really, what you should have said was because you're terrible at it. But I can get any layperson to give, and he really was. Um, But only (laughs) you can forgive their sins, and only you can celebrate the Mass. And it seems like, and she said to me afterwards, why does it seem like that's the last thing on the face of the earth they want to do? Okay, if Mm -hmm. the sacraments constitute the church, and if the church is truly the universal sacrament to salvation, and if the church is really the body of Christ by which the power of the Holy Spirit mediates the merits of Jesus to individual souls, and individually we are members of one another, then make it a priority in a way that changes the the, the way you eat your damn breakfast, right? Like, the way you live. Like, like why is it, why, like, so often it's like pulling teeth. Some of them are, are very joyful. I have met, uh, I, I am very blessed that where I am in my diocese, when we do, we, you know, we're all mega parishes up here. And when we have 20 or 30 priests doing a Lenten and Advent confession penance service, um, you know, they actually, they're exhausted. They just did confessions for four hours. They come out of that, but they're generally joyful. And I see this, and this is, uh, maybe maybe this is, okay. obviously I can say the things, preach the truth boldly, um, have social skills. Uh, when you don't have friends, it shows. You're not hiding it from anyone. You're lonely and you're taking it out on other people. Don't self-medicate with the same things I self-medicate with, right? Like we can see that you've been binging Netflix. We can tell that you're being lazy. We see it, right? And it's not just like Mm -hmm. you represent Christ insofar as he is the head of the church. I need to see that headship the way my children need to see my headship in our family. A priest is actually the one that taught me that. He said, I, I have nothing but, uh, but um, what did he say? Nothing but disgust for priests who can't read a profit and loss statement. And I was like, well, you know, that's not all of their gifts. And he goes, shut up. Right now what you're saying, stop talking. And I was like, okay. And he goes, you're giving cover for every priest who said, looks at his budget and says, well, I don't know how to read this. Good thing I have a finance counsel. He goes, you're a dad. Show me one dad who doesn't know how to balance his checkbook. Me Show me either. one dad who doesn't know how to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, me either. Thank you, Bank of America, for having it online. <laughs> but that was his point. Like To be a, an adult who mm-hmm. is running a home, you need to have a, a minimum awareness of all these different facets that you didn't go to college for. I don't care about this stuff but i have to be on top of i I indulge in fire (laughs) uh because i need to get my financial house in order yeah and yet Mm -hmm. volunteer paid employee council over here i get to delegate because it's good to be the king i would add um two more things to this really really quick and i'll be in could be brief one i think two also is good is to really acknowledge what you can't do and, and that's not part mm-hmm. of your unvocation, mm-hmm. you know. So if you're like to, you know, like you need to be honest, just because you're a priest doesn't mean that you know how to do everything. And so you need to acknowledge that and, uh, yeah. and like try to help. Like you need to really, that's really important when, especially when priests are put into different. Um, you know, I, I I know there are priests who are given um different um jobs and different things by their bishop. That's like I'm part of obedience that they don't want to do, or they're not, or they're like I'm not good at. And you have to embrace that. If, if you know, you have to like 
just like there are things that I don't want to do. I hate changing. I'm a poopy diaper. It effing sucks. But um, two <laughs> is one of the things I love about the Glen Marians, who I currently I'm work for, and why they're some of the best priests that I have really ever met, and they're why I like they're like the hope I have, and they're like these are the priests that I do want to work for. Is uh, we had we we had a live show, and I had to leave at the butt at the butt. I'm crack of dawn, and. My boss uh, at the time, who was a priest, he just said, "Like you just stay here at any point in time, um, you want. Like if you, if, you, if you ever have an early flight, you can just um stay here, so you, so you don't have to, you know. Like I would, I was gonna have to get up at like two in the morning or so, and it, it really, um, I was like, oh my god, like I've never had a priest like open his home like that, and part of that I know is you know it was because of the fallout from everything that's you know that." has happened over the past 20 years, but it was just so nice to have a priest care for me in that way. I just never had that happen before. And that really, and that really meant a lot. So I think, you know, like being willing to be all things to all people and like give you actually, like I will give you the shirt off. I I believe all of, all of the Glen Marins would give you the shirt off of their back. If they knew that's what that's, that is what um, you needed. So, sorry. I just wanted to add, add that. So, from our side too, I mean, like, there's a few things too. Like, I think I, I I'm still not sure that you've been ordained two years. Now you're going to be a pastor. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Is the yeah. smartest managerial move yeah. our bishops are making. To be honest, I get why it's happening. I I just I don't think it's a good idea. I was made a pastor two and a half years after being ordained, and of a yeah. decently sized parish with a school. Like not not huge, but. Um, but it had 400 families. That's, that's a decent, like, I know some guys, they get like a small mission church at first or something like that. And I had a school as well. And I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and I knew that. And I told people that, like, listen, here's my skill sets are, here's art. But I knew how to, like, I knew how to do a bunch of cheats and stuff like that. Like, thankfully, I had a good priest who was a mentor. I think that's part of it. A good priest is going to also have a mentor priest who they look up to, who they can lean on, who they can talk to. Uh, my vocation is the fruit of my mentor. Um, I've come into my new parish now feeling I learned a lot. Like, here's the other thing. I hate to say it, but sometimes a parish is the place where a priest is going to make successes and failures so that he can learn to be a good priest. You don't just become a good priest right away, <laughs> right? And that's hard. And that's hard sometimes for people. And it's like and it's like you have to make decisions sometimes. The other thing is, like, we, we lack enough priests. And it's like sometimes... I'm making decisions. I'm saying, like, you know, I had someone call today say, can you, can I pop in for a confession? I had to say no, not because I didn't want to, but because of the way my day was scheduled, I wouldn't be able to do the other stuff that I had to do that day. Yeah. Or else, like, I had to get a financial report in and stuff like that. Like, I, it's, and it sucks. And a priest's heart is torn when they have to say no. So there is, like, that learning element, too, that I think is important. Um, and, but, and that we are going to have less and less priests. Yeah. I, I wish it wasn't the case, but it's going to be the case, which means they're going to be torn even more and more and more. Um, I would love it. Like, I think I, I yeah, it, it's, and priests, it's hard. I, I've seen it so often in, in older priests who I love and adore, how jaded they get. And that scares the crap out of me. Because, in the background, there's always going to be fights around stuff that are little even, mm-hmm. and you just get tired. Like, in one sense, this is why I think some people, just going back to our earlier point a little bit, 
this is why I think sometimes people in the in the end just go like the Taylor Marshall route or the super liberal route. You get tired so much that you just kind of say, "Fine, I'm going to take them. I'm going to take this because I'm just tired. Yeah. I want this thing, and this seems to be the only route to go to take it." So I get that it is tiring and it's hard, but you have to be rooted in prayer, and you have to work on your life of prayer. And I think like it's good. Like I agree with Luke that we have to be oh, active, yeah. but we yeah. also have to be men of prayer. Like right, like, like in the sense of like, and our are the parishes okay with the idea of the priest is going to have to say no to things sometimes, not because he doesn't want to do it, but because he's going to do the more important thing, which is to pray for you. Cop out. No, but like, no, that's a valid point. The, the, the priest, like yeah. your, let me, let me take your word as an absurdity, like to an absurd sense. You can't hide behind the call to contemplation from doing like because you signed up to be a diocesan priest yes. there's a carmelite yes. monastery with your name on if you want to go do your contemplation right now obviously that's a wild overstatement i'm being an asshole here on purpose but right yeah if i'm praying if i'm praying five hours a day in the church my people should call me to account right but i need priests need and it was funny because you asked me like what does a good yeah. priest look like and i'm like yeah i'm gonna complain about priests more but like the the <laughs> Right. The things that make your vocation unique should radiate forth from you. For instance, I love my wife and I always make fun of her on catching foxes because I know she'll find it hilarious. Yeah. Right. People will say to me like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe the things you said. And I'm like, I tell my wife, as soon as she wakes up tomorrow, I'm going to be like, honey, you'll never believe what I said about you this time. <laughs> and she, we laugh. And sometimes she's like, I can't believe you said that. And then I laugh harder than her. But we, she, I say these things. This is the love of, the, of my wife oozing out. Like if I didn't have my wife in my life, and that rhymes so you know it's true, if she wasn't in my life, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know where I would be. Like people always make statements like that, but like she is my ground. She is, she is my sanity in an insane world. And even though because she's not me, she can drive me nuts. Her, the things that she, and I obviously I drive her nuts all the time, um, literally and euphemistically. But she can. <laughs> We, our foibles, because we love each other, our quirks, our sins, our failures, are the things very clearly that drive us into holiness, right? We're doing a Marian consecration right now. We're doing this new book that we've never done. We're reading it, and I love it, and she loves it. And it was because of her being like, you know, we should do this. I did a little research, found out when the date starts, when the date ends. Let's do this. And it's awesome because we're not, like, super-duper spiritual. We're not one of those Catholic families that's like, like wear your medals today, kids. Right? You know, like, and I love those families, and I envy yeah. those families. Here's your cape. Here's your cape, Hansel and Gretel. Uh, <laughs> but, but at the same time, like, my love for my wife oozes out of my pores. How many priests do we see? And again, I'm trying to say, like, the, let me put it positively: the love for your bride should ooze out of your pores, right? Like. I should know you're sacrificing, and I know you need to take care of yourself. Every priest needs to take better care of themselves, right? And I don't mean like self-care as self-indulgence, right? But right. I still need to know you love me mm -hmm. because I'm your bride. Yeah. Yes. Well, this is to, to push yes. back on your crazy pushback of, uh, admittedly crazy pushback on Father Harrison's thing. Your relationship with your bride is very different than ours with ours. 
there's going to be uh, a natural mm-hmm. level uh, at the very least. What I want to say is like if a priest looks to his parish as we we're only spouses of the church when we are in Christ. The only way we can really love these people the way they deserve to be loved, it's ha- it has to come from our prayer. Um, and I'm not saying it, like there's definitely an analogy with marriage, right? But it's got to be different um, because it's just on a human level. Like we are not Christ. And the only way you can like really deeply love your people and all the good ones, all the crazy ones, all the mediocre ones, all the ones that in so many ways reflect, you know, who we are, right? Yeah. It has to be yeah. from that. I agree. So I think that's I kind totally. of what Harrison's getting at. Like yeah, it's a little I bit totally, different. And I totally agree. Does that make sense? I also want to take this opportunity to remind yeah. you that I'm drinking now a Natty Light Seltzer. Natural Light. Natural Natty Light, light Seltzer. This is the most pathetic thing you've ever done. And I've seen you um, weeping in a, in a front lawn. On the age of 25. <laughs> I love that Luke brings up the darkest moment of my entire life <laughs> as a way times. to make a joke on <laughs> catching boxes. Yeah, because you're drinking Natty Light Seltzer. I literally, when I bought this, I came home and I said, uh, Shannon, I bought a Shinerbach, a Love Street, and these are, you know, Texas breweries. I said, and then I bought a Natty Light Seltzer. And she goes, oh, why'd you buy that? And I go, just to piss Luke off. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think it is unfair to say, or, or perhaps, like, is there a um, better way to put this that, especially when it comes to his his um, Hispanic his Go on. staff? <laughs> Shut the hell up! Uh, is it? Oh, I Miguel. Um, <laughs> only three people are going to get that joke, but Gomer used to date a Hispanic chick. Um, so she was amazing. Uh, oh, she was so nice. I don't remember her name, but. Um, I would like to see priests put because like the people are the church, and I would like to see priests put the people above. And this might not be the right thing to do, so I could be wrong. Above the institutional aspect of yes. the church. Yeah. So yes. I had a so like you know when I worked in when I worked in ministry, it was obvious to see which it was. It was it's tough to have a boss who doesn't invest in you but really cares about the church building you know and who or really cares right. about the institutional yeah, part yeah. of the church and our place in and ours being like the staff and the and, and and you know our influence when i just wanted to i just wanted him to know like what i was doing and to have a freaking meeting yeah uh this is this is something that i've been struggling with um uh because the 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 pastor can't treat his employees like employees because he's a priest like, they have to be, like, yes, they're employees, they have responsibilities, there's accountability, all that stuff, sure, 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 fine. But they're also his spiritual children as well. And it's so tough. And I, it's, it's been tough as a vicar to try and navigate things. Um, I don't, don't want to get into details because I sure. might get in trouble. Um, but, get uh, in trouble. No, no, don't, don't, don't. I, uh, no. From someone that's who what, was at the diocese, do not. So let's just get say, hypothetically. <laughs> It's difficult for me when I am sort of placed as a yeah. manager, supervisor of youth ministry and without having the power of actually mm. being in charge of them, right? Uh, like there's like the pastor ultimately has a final say, the people who may have his ear in a sense have mm-hmm. the final say when it really should be me. Like if you're going to delegate this, delegate this to me. And a struggle I had was like with my very good youth minister Is who he- knew at the job. 
Not perfect. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, he, he really is, right? And the thing is, like, for all seriousness, like, he loves the yeah. kids and wants to teach them how to pray. And, like, he's got all the ministry things down, right, right? And so I want to care for this person in several ways. One, because he's a spiritual son, because I'm a priest. Uh, two, because he's going to care for these teens who yeah. are yeah. my kids, right? Uh, three, because he's a young guy, and if we can help train him and bring him up well and support him, then he will be a great gift for the church mm-hmm. beyond my parish, right? But I struggle with, like, I couldn't give him the guarantee that he's safe uh, because I, I didn't have the power to do that. So I had to, like, hey, we need to play politics in the staff mm-hmm. right now, right? Because your poll numbers are down. And the thing is, mm-hmm. I'm not good at this. But this is something that I have to learn and then try to teach him how to learn and then to see the the shiny optimism of trying to help the church be crushed by the institution. I look at him. I see myself in seminary. I have to divide those two things and just focus on him and not my own PTSD, right? Like, um, which is all to say that, like, and I've, I've heard from so many church employees that, like, their pastor made them cry. It's not just your boss making yes. you cry then. Yeah. It's your father. And I don't think we oftentimes we don't realize this. Like, I don't realize this about myself either because I see myself as goofy, greasy Italian dude from like super suburbia. Right. Uh, But when I have that collar on, I mean a lot Mm -hmm. more to other people than just that. So being aware of that is is uh, my goodness. Harrison, you're going to say something. So, okay, the reason I asked about a good priest, because here's the other thing, though. When you're a priest, you have. Every every person is going to have a different definition of what they think a good priest should be, and they're going to expect you to meet that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have people who want me to be very liturgy, and I'm going to have people who want me to be excessively for the poor, and I'm going to be having people who want me to be more liberal and move away from church teaching and to have the guitars and to have Gregorian chant. You you have all those expectations placed on you sometimes, and that's why it's hard sometimes for priests. I think, but I think a good good priest, and this takes time. I, I think actually it takes you about 10 years to finally kind of get into your skin about this, what has God asked of you in your identity as a person to be a priest in your diocese or your order or whatever? And you kind of get comfortable with that and you just say, this is, this is it. As long as you're, as long as you're seeking the Lord, right? As, as long as you're seeking the Lord, which means you're not going to make everybody's cookie, everybody's definition of a good priest, but you're going to be a good priest because you're trying to, you're trying to seek the Lord, which, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think that's where we, what you aim for. Yeah. But I think also you would agree that there's a very low entry bar, which is, Try to be holy and not be an asshole, right? No, I'll take the and second think, one. Just do the okay, second yeah, one. Sure, <laughs> sure, exactly. But like seriously, like the—I mm-hmm. mean, this is one thing I should like. Like the bar is incredibly low. And if you had asked me uh, two years ago, Father Anthony, are you ready to be a pastor? I would have said no. You ask me now, it's like, can I do a better job? I hope I can. Mm-hmm. You know, just by not being an asshole. Um, but it's—it's. Uh, it's, and it's it's tough with uh, not to complain about oh what was me as a priest but I think a lot of younger priests um, who grew up in the in a similar environment that you guys are experiencing right because you know you're a little bit older but uh, <laughs> a similar kind of parish environment right we we have on some level not as deeply but on some level experienced the the poverty in so many American parishes uh, and then you become a priest and you're stuck as a parochial vicar and there's this waiting game. And, like, I was even struggling. I'm a part of my presbyteral council. Do I speak up now about this thing? Or do I need to save my political capital so, like, I'm not seen as a rabble rouser so that when I do speak on something that I think I actually can change, it will affect things. Like, I hate having to make those calculations, Mm -hmm. but I also have to make those calculations if I love 
the people of God. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like all this stuff becomes incredibly complicated because when you're, the system, the whole system is sick Mm -hmm. and the system has beaten down generation after generation of priests. And so one, you have to endure it without losing your soul um, and also keep your zeal in that as well. And it gets very messy and difficult. Sorry, you can go ahead. I was just going to say, we got to be careful, like I, because I don't, I'm not trying to also counterbalance what Gomer was saying earlier. By I'm just trying to ensure. I guess just give some vision from the other side of it because yeah. I think yeah. you're you're right, Gomer. Like you're right, and it's like here's the thing: like priests feel that too towards other priests sometimes. Like yeah. like you know, and like I think again, part of it's just growth. Like mm-hmm. you grow in charity over time. You love your wife more now, hopefully. Than oh, you I did do. Before I you, do, and yeah. all the joking aside with yeah. Shannon yeah. and all that yeah. stuff, yeah. I absolutely like. I can't even imagine my life without her. You couldn't do right? your own and laundry. I mean, I could. Everything just goes in at one time and it's on cold. It's exactly. fine. Exactly. <laughs> you put it on cold. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. This is something that we actually thank get. you, thank you, <laughs> thank you, perpetual bachelors. Thank you. Um, but let me, let me, like, yeah. one of the things that I wanted to say, uh, Father yeah. Anthony, you said, like, oh, I don't want to complain. But here's also the the shroud of mystery that surrounds priests, right? You know, like if you have a a, a, di, a a parish with a lot of good priests, I went to a religious order church. What you have is priests who are the holy other, right? Like they weren't they weren't born, they weren't raised, they just emanated forth from the ground, ready to be priests, right? And then they always tell you, know, right? You always hear this. Oh, come on, we're just human. You know, I used to play soccer. Oh my gosh, you used to play soccer. You know, like all that stuff yeah. where the priest becomes human again, right? In the eyes of like, you know, young people. I don't know. And I don't think the average layperson, except for like employees of a church might know the quirks of a priest's personality who works with them. I don't know what priests are going through. Right. That's why when the Catholic stuff you should know guys said yeah. that comment, like yeah. here they are. And, but this is what was so telling about that episode. They gathered together. Exactly. They were being brothers. Like St. Augustine said the greatest thing. With you, I'm a Christian. For you, I'm a bishop. For you, I'm a bishop. Right? But I feel like it's like with you, I'm an American, maybe, at the most. Right. (laughs) But (laughs) around you, I'm I'm your pastor, or I'm your priest, or I'm your parochial vicar, or whatever it might be. And so I need to hear, and I think we do need to hear, the struggles of the priesthood, maybe not whining from the pulpit as right. you are one to yeah, do, yeah. Father Harrison. But other, no, I'm just kidding. But like, I, I think that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I don't know what so, you struggle with. And that's, I mean, that's what we try to do one with our podcast. But like Harrison and I have talked about this before. Like, it's important without bleeding over your people yeah. Yeah. to show your wounds. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Because that is, because I mean, that's the one thing that has struck me since um, the PA Grand Jury and the McCarrick thing is that, and Harrison, you said it. That there are now sides in the church. Yeah. And there's not sides in the family. Um, yeah, and it's yeah. because we don't communicate. Yeah. So, okay. So it's kind of getting, you know, what Gorman is saying, what you're saying. There's no sides in the family. And Gormley was saying, um, Gomer, sorry, or Gormley, whatever. No, all, of the above, uh, all of the above. The, all, all of the above. Um, he or they as well. Yeah. <laughs> was saying about for you, I'm a pastor with you, I'm an American is these are also like this is actually something we're talking a bit about this week on, on our podcast because I was, I was just trying to say like and it's actually kind of off of what luke was saying a couple of weeks ago around like everything's an emergency um the emergencies are everywhere yeah 
it, which is parish, the parish life needs to be a shared way of life. Right? This is the key. And this is, this is the hard thing because this is something I think, I think, like, I actually really believe, I think actually if you look at your demographics, anyone 40 and under, I think they can actually get this very easily because they're, if they're, generally if they're coming to church every Sunday, they're there with a reason and a purpose, right? They're there, intent, there's an intentionality to their going. And it's not just what they're doing on Sunday. They're praying at home. They, they do devotions at home. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, a, it's a way of life for their family. The problem right now is above 40, this isn't the mentality. The parish is... That's not the, how they've been taught. Yeah, they haven't been taught. They haven't been trained. This is kind of what I was trying to get at earlier about the idea of, like, we're still walking out of a preconciliar notion of parish and stuff like that. It's this... We're, we're, most of these other people have been, been kind of trained that a parish is about community and gathering, and, and, which are good things, but those are very bland terms. It's so shared. Like, um, I've always been struck by, like... Um, Jesus's phrase, like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This, but this is, his eye is the eye of the whole church. <laughs> and so a parish under their father, the pastor, are sharing a life together, which means, yes, the pastor does home visits. The pastor's around at different programs. He's serving and stuff like that. But also then, and he's training them to kind of build stuff up themselves organically so that it gets away from what you guys were talking about earlier around this kind of more institutional sense of we need to have these programs and do these things. The programs aren't bad, obviously, but that things just kind of spread out because that's what families do. And when you get people gathering together and, and, and you see, uh, what my reasoning for saying this is, you know, the reason, for example, kids stop going to church after they've been confirmed or whatever is because they haven't seen what we do as a way of life. There's, there's no integration. They've right. gotten the information. They haven't gotten the culture. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the, the art of Christian living is not being taught. Yeah. But this is, this is so new. And even for us who are younger, who can kind of see this and understand that, we actually even don't know how do you, we, we're kind of like, okay, this is the right thing. How do we do this? And right now, like, so for me, the, I have one idea right now. When COVID's over, when it's finally over and I can start gathering people more normally again, I'm doing a monthly family potluck. But what I'm doing, I'm doing this for a reason. And there's also going to be a mission attached to it. That is going to be my baptism prep program too. Because like for me, the number one reason I've always heard pe- young people say, I don't go to church right now when I have a kid. It's because they don't know anyone. Yeah. They oh, feel yeah. alone. Oh, yeah. Right? So come to this thing where you see where kids are running around and, and, and people are laughing and you meet some other adults. And then you say, I might want to go to church because they're there. It's not the, it's not the last step. That's just the first step. And that's the only way I can think right now. But it's like we have to start experimenting in a shared way of life. But we, and we, and like I, I was saying on our podcast, like we just pretty much have to start preaching this every weekend over and over and over again and exemplifying it by trying to find ways to lead with our people. I think, again, right now, actually, I think, like, for me, our restrictions are a little bit tighter in BC. So, like, I can't do a whole lot right now. I can have 50 people at Mass, and that's it. So I'm in the... So I'm doing five Masses every weekend. And then people are coming to weekday Masses because they can't get in on the weekend. So I'm just doing as much as I can to get people in. But when it's over... So, like, I'm starting to think now, okay, my planning is, when this is over, how can we share a way of life? And how can we... Show life. Because when you do that, man, people are going to be banging on the doors to come in. Mm-hmm. Well, and 
to kind of get back to this idea of the middle way where we're not going after like or not I'm following all of these demigods. I think if you have roots like that, that's how you get away. That's how you you know like that's so go back to my point about like when the church has to take her time and things seem to move so slow. When you have roots, you can endure that. Exactly. Yeah. And if yeah. you don't, like, well, like, like the bulk of us don't because we have moved around everywhere and we have all the, you know, and we go to these um, parishes now and it's like, 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 we, absolutely the great thing about the church is you can go to mass anywhere and it's the same thing, but it's certainly not the same thing. You know, like, it's, 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 I mean, it's a both and thing as always, but it, it, it like, it is the same, but you're not going to find the same, you know, you won't have the same church or community here in um, Dane, Ohio, that you're going to get out in Pittsburgh. And you can even go, you know, down the road to the other um, Catholic church. You're going to be two completely um, different experiences that almost um, feel like two different churches, like in terms of their e- ecclesiology and their um, theology. And that's, and I'm not saying that everything, um, that, that, you know, everything should be a cookie cutter thing, but when it's so um, broken the way that it is now, what else do you have left but these demigods to turn to? Right. Because it's... Yeah. It's just like it's better than heresy, you know. Yeah. Like, like for some <laughs> I know what you mean. Well, but I, I think you're right, though. I think you're right. I think if, it, but this is the thing. This is why I think like but parishes yeah, yeah, can yeah. actually play a place for rootedness again. Because here's the other thing: people won't want to move away because, well, like Gorm, Gomer, you were talking a couple weeks ago how like you're offered a like if someone like where you're offered a job or or, or someone's talking about giving your next step in your career, you're like why? I, I got roots. My family's got roots. We've got a community. You don't. The money isn't all be all end all, and people will want to stay because you. Ha- and then, the church can actually be a place where culture actually flourishes again. And like I'm thinking, like we have to start thinking in like a three generation plan about this stuff because maybe things are crumbling around us, and we need to start. We need to start doing that. But I, I, I we got to start somewhere, and we got to start doing that. And I think, and that's where instead, like. Beautiful liturgy is very important with all that. And loving the liturgy is very important with all that. Going out of your way to be present to your people is going to be very important on the part of priests. And lay people uh, being willing to say, yeah, let's do that, or willing, willing to step up and say, I'll try that, is going to be really important for a priest. Because here's the, this is the other, this, I'll give you a little peek behind the curtain. The reason priests get beat down so much is they ask people to join to try something, and they always say no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's hard, mm-hmm. and so you get you get you can get jaded, but you know we just got we got to start trying stuff, and also realizing like not everything depends on the physical parish building. Right. When you have people gathering at homes, that's a work of the parish. So like let's start doing that, and let's just start. And I think I think when you start getting those roots in, people aren't going to need to see to go out to the internet because they will have something. This is the hard thing. What do you do? When you don't, when you have a priest who doesn't care and doesn't want to do that, that's the hard part, and I and I get that, and I and it breaks my heart that people are going through that. All right, let me let me throw out a couple quick things, and then um, we can probably wrap up. I imagine y'all are yep beyond tired. <laughs> it's it's only nine twenty here. Yeah, I'm, I'm still early. You and Father Anthony are fine. Who cares about the East Coast people? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. I should, what's the first thing I have to do tomorrow morning to do my priest things? We'll be fine. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, number one, how often do you two, lightning round, how often do you two pray the Liturgy of the Hours? Every day. Like when you're supposed to? Gen- no. Uh, generally, <laughs> but there is the odd day where it can get pushed. Okay. 
I rarely pray them at the hours I'm supposed Why to. Why is that? What hours are you supposed to? So, like, uh, I will probably do, like, a good day is, um, uh, for me, morning and uh, office readings at my morning holy hour, and then everything else before I go to bed. Um, uh, do you see fruitfulness in doing the whole liturgy of the hours on the hours, or do you find it, it uh, a soulless, lifeless, uh, dear Lord God, I'm forced to do this. Let's just get through it and go to bed. Uh, um, when I'm doing it well, I notice the fruitfulness. Um, but a lot of times, I mean, this has been for me, the liturgy hours has been a struggle for me as far as like, it's a thing, it's an obligation, but it's hard for me to pray them. Yeah. I will say, I, I noticed definitely it's true. I, same thing. I know it's fruitfulness just from the fact that like you kind of marked a day with prayer that way. It's not something we're really taught about in seminary. You just kind of do it. Right. Um, I also think, unfortunately, just because of the way the modern world is, it is a harder thing to implement in your life than it may have been in the past. But I do notice fruitfulness, and I do notice that, um, like, I will be honest, there have been a few times I've missed it, and I hate myself for that because um, it's a prayer of the church. It's praying for the church. Mm-hmm. But I will admit it because I'm working, and I'm, but I think for me, the thing is, I'm always going to say, but I'm, I really am trying to order my life towards God. And, it, and, we, 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 as we're growing forward, we're going to have failure yeah. sometimes, but, um, um, no, fair enough. I mean, it's, 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 yeah. it's a yeah. huge yeah. demand. It really is. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next question, right? You ready for this? Uh, buckle up. I think this is a hard one. Okay. But I'm looking for short answers that can be sound bites that I can put on Twitter and misunderstand and misconstrue your words. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and tag Taylor Marshall. Yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> at least he's trying, unlike you guys. No, he I'm... blocked us. It's <laughs> fine. It's fine. You make one tweet about him being Homer Simpson trying to uh, um, uh, <laughs> have his pecs uh, dance while he stares at himself, <laughs> hey, hey, and he blocks hey, you. <laughs> well, you uh, quote him, tweet him, as he says, as a son of the church, I volunteer to go and speak to all of the bishops. Yes, oh good gosh. lord. Yes, okay. He's still Episcopalian. Um, the uh, the line from Frederick Nietzsche that I love is, All them. most men are not good, they're cowards. Okay, <laughs> right? That's a line that forms a backbone of Jordan Peterson's psychology before he ever became politicized mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. It was this notion that, like, yeah, most of us are cowards. We're actually evil, but we're too cowardly to act on our evil because of the social repercussions. Okay. Let's mm-hmm. apply that to the priesthood. Oh, good. How many men have integrated their sexual desires into their whole human person, right? Also known as chastity. How many priests are chaste? I don't know if I care about the actual, like, do you think it's, like, 25%? But, like, this notion of... Like, I have met priests that legit just seem scared of their sexuality, whether they're gay or whether they're straight or whether it's some kind of havesy thing. Right? Or scared of women or whatever. Yeah, oh, right? and like, let's, be, yeah, yeah, and let's yeah. be honest. Scared of women like vaginas, right? Like, I still am. I still am. But you don't know my wife. She's so terrifying. But the, <laughs> at the heart of it. <laughs> <laughs> She's good. Take that out. She'll kill me. I will. I will. No, I will. Uh, I'll take it out with a censored bleep. Maybe girl from Ipanema. Who knows? But no, what I mean by that is they're hiding 
in the priesthood. A woman said to me, yes, she was telling me the story of something that broke her heart that uh, a deacon had done back in her her home country, right? And she said, you know, I never thought I would hear that in the church. And I said, uh, you know, reading a book that is very despised in our culture, The People of the Lie. I don't know if you, M. Scott Peck's, or not M. Scott, is it M. Scott Peck? Yeah, The People of the Lie. Anywho, he talks about the psychological condition that he calls evil. He says that you will find, at the, at the most noble institutions, you will find the most evil people because they are using the institution to cover their evilness. And I said, you will find great people, you will find mediocre people, but you will find a ton of evil people at the church at every level, especially in the hierarchy or, or the most ardent volunteer lay people, because they're actually evil people who are using the, the, the credit of the church to leverage, you know, to pay the bills of their, their lack of virtue. Um, how many priests do you feel like? Maybe I keep saying how many, but I don't know how other way to phrase it. Priests and the integration of chastity. I'm 38 and I'm still trying to do that. And yet we are taking 18-year-old boys, putting them through a seminary system where we never address this stuff. Looking at you, Father Anthony. Hey, I'm going to grow my hair out like Jesus. Maybe that'll work. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like that, that have actually achieved chastity. Okay. I think I, think I have an answer. So nice. um, my seminary was actually very good at this. The problem was, even though the priests were actually very what good seminary about was that? integration, uh, theological college, In- uh, Washington, D.C., well, I was there. The priests there were very good at this. The problem was that they were liturgically a little liberal. Theologically, some of them were a little liberal. So I think some guys refused to hear the wisdom they did have because of this other thing. So there was that. Um, I think uh, most young guys, um, yeah, at least most that I've known, uh, have been good because we've been like able to talk about things, yeah. Yeah. right? And you can talk about your sexuality. Yeah. And struggles and victories therein. Uh, they're, you know, small groups among young priests. I've seen a lot of this. I think um, older generations, it depends. Like, I am in a small group with a lot of older guys. And most of what we talk about is this stuff. Uh, it's a lot of it, you know. Um, so there are good pockets of it uh, here and there. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, it's, 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 it's a, a crap I've, I've been blessed to know a lot of guys who are really good about this stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's as much it's, as I can say about it's, it. It's hard to give a soundbite because, but I will say, I think first is, I think generally our generation of priests were the first to get full-blown human formation in seminary. And that's been massive. We know how to be human, which is so important in the priesthood. Not in the, well, sorry, not all, but I mean, you know, but that's it's better, it, it's better now, I think. <laughs> Um, I think I agree. I think I think that lack of integration. The older you go, the more you're going to see the lack. Not always, but you're going to see it. Um, I too am very blessed with priest friends who I can speak openly and honestly about things. And like, actually, one of the most beautiful things I ever had was in my first two years of priesthood. My bishop insisted that we had I had a lay support committee for my first two years of priesthood. For and he does that for every new priest. We don't have a ton of new priests, but that's what he does. And so I had the pastor of my parish, and I had a consecrated virgin. Um, the office person and a married man um, and we would meet once a month and we just talk about stuff. Now we don't always talk about this, but I, I, I trusted these people enough that I could talk about, Hey, you know, I felt this attraction to this person today. And they'll say, well, yeah, that's called being normal, <laughs> which is a good thing. Right. And it was like, but I felt honest. Like I had a community of people where I could speak openly and honestly about this. And they would say, yeah, like the married guys like, yeah, I, I have those attractions too. And I'm married. Oh, okay, cool. So they normalize things for me. So you don't, be ashamed of the feelings you just deal with them in a normal healthy way that was very helpful for me 
And I'm, I still look at that very fondly and I'm very grateful for that. So I just think, um, I would say generally 40 and under, you're going to see more integration, not completely, not totally. It's not universal, but my seminary was also very good about that. I went to Edmund, I went to St. Joseph's in Edmonton. All right, Luke, do you have a lightning round? Oh, no, mm, not in the slightest. <laughs> All righty. Luke's falling asleep. No. <laughs> do you guys pray, and are you weird about sex stuff? I think those are the two important questions. Which, which <laughs> good questions, you know? I understand those questions. That's yeah. I mean, I hated the Liturgy of the Hours until it. a year ago. Hmm. Every time I touched the Liturgy of the Hours, I was like, well, there's a lot of ribbons. There are I'm a lot very of confused. Yeah. I'm this. So I got the iBrievery app, and I'm like, well, it takes a long time to update. I don't care about this thing. <laughs> But then me and my wife started praying it during the pandemic, especially. But it was actually before that. Who told you to? Well, Luke. Yeah. And honestly, Luke, Luke has done more for my spiritual life. It's true. <laughs> than 10 true. priests combined. Hmm. 100%. I would never I would never change that because Luke's the a handful of comments that he stole from Brad Bursa have been so <laughs> powerful <laughs> in my life. <laughs> but no, he said uh, yeah. like he would just talk about praying the liturgy of the hours. And, you know, I don't know how often. Luke does it. We barely even acknowledge each other. I'm speaking about him in the third person. Uh, <laughs> we, but I, I started praying, and I'll tell you what it was. I was teaching the um, prison three years ago, and they're all hating on me for the sacramental life. You're adding to the work of Christ, the finished and complete work of Christ on the cross. You're adding to it with all your sacraments. And so I'm going through this stuff, and I'm talking with the guys, and there in the Liturgy of the Hours is a quote from St. Irenaeus. The humanity of Christ is the gateway to heaven. And it's a little phrase that's over Psalm 95 mm-hmm. in morning prayer. And I remember looking at that going, I spent six hours of research preparing for the prison talk, you know, all in the sacraments. And that line summarizes the entire church's sacramental theology. Yeah. The humanity of Christ is the gateway to heaven. And it was one line that was the little tiny introduction that you don't even say when you do the liturgy hours. And I was like, I love this thing. And then I began praying it, and it became Beautiful. a part of my life. Beautiful. I still don't know how to pray it, because then I go to the hymn, and I'm like, set in the meter of blah, blah, blah song in 1753. And I'm like, uh, okay, I'll just Amazing sing this hill song. Amazing <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. My chains are gone. <laughs> I've been yeah. set free. Uh, Matt Marr put new songs to the liturgy of the hours. <laughs> this bravery app is super sick. Yeah. Why do you keep asking me to donate to the Holy Land? I won't do it. <laughs> oh, man. That's a deep cut. Um, <laughs> all right, we that have, is a deep cut. So, I mean, we're like an hour and a half into this. Tell me about the lady and what we should be doing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, Tell me I'm pretty, just, damn it. Please just pray for us. Tell that's, me I'm pretty. I mean, if I, like, seriously. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I yeah, hope this hasn't it. been us just crapping on priests. And e- 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 like, but here's the thing, um, though. Being the... But here's the thing. I think <laughs> no, 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 this is needed. It, it, sorry, Anthony. But I was just going to say, it could, that's a part of what it means to be a priest. Exactly. And it's funny because I'm glad you said what you said because after our last interview, like a year ago, I was like, holy, uh, Gomer is really pissed off at priests. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad you finally said it because I think yeah, that was and I think it's important. Yeah, it is important. I guess for me, the reason that, the only reason I struggle with it a little bit, and it's not, it's not you, it's just what you're talking about has not been my experience and uh, completely in Canada. 
It yeah. happens, but not. I don't know why. I just and even talking to lay people, like like most, I I I really have a great love for like at least in my diocese. I think most of our priests try to do what they do, and so that's where it's like it's foreign to me in some ways. And I don't know why. I've been blessed to be around good priests, but I know I also know though it can be bad. I know it can yeah. be bad. It's just that's why it's for me. It's just, it's just more foreign to my experience. That's all. Yeah, and I appreciate you guys letting me. And I kind of stated the most extreme thing but it's frustrations that i've felt over over two decades working for the church i'm 38 years old and i've been volunteering actively since i was 16 in my local church every week like i, I was a catechist when i was 16 years old for seventh graders Nerd. back when right you're right it was awesome Man, those people. I used the teacher next door used to complain about me because I would yell all the time. I would talk so loud. <laughs> I, I use my hands. I use my hands. My but no, I really feeling. do appreciate it because you know Bishop Aaron says things like "hold the bishop's feet to the fire," and I'm like, but I love you too much. Like I love, I love Cardinal Donardo, but there are some decisions that I want to sit down with him and say, man. Man, come on, man. But you know what? But that's part of like I was actually yeah. talking about this earlier um um with a buddy of ours that uh like when you see how the sausage is made, like Yeah. Yeah. I I, I love arch my I love our arch like I I feel like I have a decent understanding of my of like my archbishop and like his flaws and and like he and and also in the things that like he's good at, he's a priest. Sorry, he. Oh no, he's a priest. He her, her confessions when we had a huge um backup and we had a bunch of and like we needed more more priests to basically hear people's uh, hear people's um confession. He did it. He just um, went and did it. And I remember I was so impressed by that because I feel like I was kind of told to not expect that or to not ask that of him, and to see him just go all. I'll do it. Like, I was like, holy crap. Like, that's awesome. But there are also um, things that he's done that I've been really upset with. And it's just part of seeing, like, this is their um, humanity. And I do think we need to stop putting these guys on yeah. a pedestal. Like, it's If I could give you one them, piece like, of advice, if I could give priests one piece of advice, it goes off of what Luke said, which is simply this. Intentionally, because we laity won't do it unless we're full rage mode intentionally invite people to call you on your BS. And that's hard. Every CEO has to do that, right? Because your jokes are funnier, even if they're not funny at all, because you're the boss and you're a priest. And this is not just my job. It's my faith, right? So invite, invite. That's what I love. My pastor is doing that right now with our leadership team. And we're able to have very difficult conversations. But I, And I'll say this, like he has to know I support him and love him. And I do. And I hope as a layperson, as a staff member, and as a staff member on the leadership team, that is enough for him to do what he needs to do. But the, the idea is he needs to, like, priests, if you don't want people to think you emerged, you know, out of the, you butted out of the side of the altar one day, <laughs> fluttering into our lives with your cassocks and fiddlebacks, then the idea is you need to make you're, – you're not God, mm -hmm. right? That's what abusers do. That's what tyrants do, right? You're in persona Christi Capitum, right? I get that and I reverence that, but that doesn't mean you know what you're doing all the time mm -hmm. and invite people. I said that in a job interview. He said, why do you want to be – why do you want to work here? What can you offer me that you know someone else can't? I said, 
let me call you on your BS. And he looked at me with his wide eyes and he goes, no one has ever said that to me before you're hired. And I was like, well, I got to discern you as much as you. I'm interviewing you. I see you don't have any Ignatius Press books. I'm a little nervous. (laughs) Not enough fault is our. Yeah. <laughs> Not La. enough Thomas Aquinas. Come on. Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> no, thank you. Not enough Gergou Lagrange. Uh, cool. Show well, me the manuals. Show them to me. <laughs> Why? Oh, yeah. this has been fun, guys. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you so much for I coming. I could keep on. going. I could keep going, but I know it's late for I'm Father Anthony, so. It is. Father Anthony's dragon. Poor man. You poor, poor man. I know. I know. Um, you poor Christ like face. With your beautiful Christ-like face, you you are my my small babies who are keeping me up at night. I'm happy, I'm happy to do my ministry. No worries. No, and I know tonight crazy. is the night when my kids are going to wake me up at like three a.m. How uh, and my daughter sleeps through the night. Thank God. How old are of you guys? Uh, I'm thirty-one. I'm thirty-seven. Ah, okay. So Father Harrison, I didn't realize how young you are. I'm Father Anthony. Ugh. Yeah, I could tell. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much for no coming problem. on yeah, the show. This is fun. Where can people find you? Clerically speaking. That's the not time enough. Clerically Wonderful podcast. You can find it at patreon.com slash CF. Crazy <laughs> enough, you guys spent ten dollars just a year. Yeah. <laughs> but it's worth it, everyone. It's worth it. <laughs> Listen, no student loans don't get don't get paid by a diocese, so all righty. Y'all, God bless y'all. Thank you. For, uh, why am I telling you God bless you? You have the, uh, will you guys bless us? One of you bless us. Harrison, do it. You're the senior priest. Mm. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Cool. All this right. I'm fun. stopping in five, stop. four, three, two, one.